Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above us today, Monday, April 18th, day after Easter. Hopefully you all had a wonderful weekend. It was kind of a nice weekend here. We didn't have rain. That's kind of a first. Now, today's a whole different story, but that's okay because I have to work, right? So it's okay since I don't work outside. I don't mind if it rains on a weekday. Uh, so uh, anyway, I hope everybody had a wonderful time themselves. We had our family get together on Saturday, went to a, a concert on Friday night that I wasn't sure I was going to like. It's not typically my kind of music. It was more jazz music. And that's definitely not my favorite kind of music, but um, it was it was pretty nice. It was a pretty nice concert and at least entertaining, right? Entertaining. And then uh, spent the day yesterday bicycling because it was just so beautiful. Had to be outside. So I hope everybody got a chance to do something that was fun for them as well. Uh, we have a lot of people checking in this morning. Good morning, Susie Gemini. It's good to see you. Uh, Christine Buckingham says good morning, and uh, Pam Zaruba and Angela Christine, good morning, and Debbie Tippett's Tumiel, hello, Tom, hello, and Pam Zaruba says rain here, uh, something wives tale next seven Sundays will rain, and it usually does when that happens. <laughs> good morning, Gayla, good morning, Kajella, it's great to see everybody this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I am actually, I might be smiling and happy and go lucky right now, but I am fairly grumpy this morning. It all started very early when our alarm didn't go off for whatever dumb reason that was. And the cat was meowing, meowing, meowing at me. And I'm trying to tell her to get lost and she's just not having it. And uh, so then I realized it was already 10 after six and I'm like, oh my God, we got to run, run, run. So there was that. And then it just everything just kind of on my last nerve this morning. So tap in and let me know how you guys are feeling. And I recognized why that was, but not until I was just in the bathroom putting on my makeup going, oh, of course, uh, the sun today in a square to Pluto. And that means, you know, my Pluto's already under pressure because it's in an opposition to my ascendant and closing in on a conjunction to my natal Saturn. In fact, it's probably, no, it's not a conjunction to my natal Saturn yet, but it will be soon. Like, let's see, what's the, the degree today? Pluto is at, oh yes, 28 Capricorn. That's exactly where my own personal Pluto is. So my own personal Pluto, the transiting Pluto are both under a, uh, the gun by the sun. And uh, not sure why that would translate into a bad mood. It's not necessarily sitting on the emotional center, uh, but it did just kind of uh, get me wrong this morning, let's say, that I was not awakened at the right time, that I even had to get up because I still wanted to sleep. Uh, whatever, right? It'll pass. It will pass. That's the nice thing about moods, right? We talk about this in human design. And it's the reason why someone who has emotional definition in their chart cannot make decisions in the moment because moods are moody, right? They move, they go from low to high and all the places in between. And you don't know necessarily where you are, except I do know where I am right now. This has got to be the low part of my emotional wave for the day. 
Um, and when that happens, if you're making a decision from that point, it may not be the right decision. And you can't see that because of the mood, the feeling, the emotion that you're experiencing. And that's why if you have emotional definition and definition means that the emotional solar plexus center, which is on the lower right side of the chart, as you're looking at it, if it's colored in brown or goldish tan, depends on the printer colors that you have uh, or the screen coloring that you have. Uh, if that's colored in, you are emotionally defined and that becomes your authority in making decisions. So you cannot make decisions uh, spontaneously because of uh, big decisions, right? I could certainly decide which direction I wanted to wear my hair this morning or what color I wanted to wear. Uh, it's not that, it's the bigger decisions. Like if I was going to be in a position today of making a big life decision, I probably wouldn't want to do that, right? I wouldn't want to do it because my emotional uh, field is not clear. It is definitely not clear. It's being clouded by God knows what right now. And over time, that is going to change. That's the nice thing about the moon. That's the nice thing about moods, right? It moves quickly through us. So in human design, we typically will tell you that within 24 hours of having to make a big decision or within you know 24 hours of that, you will have a clearer picture of what's true and correct for you. So I hope that's helpful for those of you who have that emotional definition. Uh, JLo says, ha, I was up early, but stood in, stayed in bed feeling lazy. No kidding. Kajella also overslept. Thank God I'm not the only one. Susie says, yes, it is squaring my North node. Wow. That must feel like a little bit of a, you know, push behind you, pushing you in a new direction, right? Get, get going, <laughs> Susie, get going, move forward, get, let go, let go, move on, move on. Uh, so we have that. Corey, good morning. It's good to see you. And uh, Susie says, yes, today for me feels sunnier. Well, that's good. Good morning, Michelle. Good to see you. And awesome Tanya. She says, I'm still in bed. Well, that's the best thing to be doing, right? Just lay in bed and listen to all of our uh, kerfluffle about the day. Uh, so let's see. I'm wondering if I missed any mean. Lynn Valcourt. Hello from Chile, Boston. Good to have you with us, Lynn. I don't remember seeing your name out there. Maybe you listen from behind the scenes. I'm not sure, but welcome to Living Astrology. So today I don't have a whole lot to talk about, but I know that I, every time I think that something comes up and we end up talking. Um, this is a week where we don't have a tremendous number of, of planetary changes or things that are, um, you know, prompting us to make big decisions or move us in any kind of direction. Uh, what we have is a week that most of the energy is piled up right now and at the end of the week or on Sunday, with the middle of the week's highlight being the sun's move out of Aries and into Taurus. So we can spend a bit of time talking about that today because that's actually, you know, that changes up the, the energy uh, of our egos, it changes up the personality. What are we going to be focusing on, at least from the collective? And of course, out here in, in uh, living astrology land, we have a lot of Tauruses whose birthdays are coming up this particular week. Uh, or like JLo and Debbie, yours must be on Saturday, the 23rd. Uh, I know there's a couple of you with the 22nd out there. <laughs> so I know. And then even some of you that are out there that are in May, somehow that is a fractal. I tend to 
attract is people that are Taurians and that if you're a Taurus, you're about to have your birthday. And Barbara Doughton, good morning to you. Angela Christine says, it is difficult to differentiate what you are feeling and what the collective is feeling. That that sounds like you might have an open emotional center. So if you know your human design, Angela, because I don't know that I'm familiar with your human design, look at the center that's on the bottom right. And it would have, it's a triangle that points inward. And if it's white, then you have an open emotional center. So you are more affected by the mood or the emotions of the collective, as opposed to those people who have the de the uh, emotional center defined where they're broadcasting their authentic emotions, right? So it is the people with the open centers that are picking up the energies of people that have it defined and amplifying it and rebroadcasting it. So often the people with the emotional center that's open have more extremes in their emotions, or they're the ones that are always trying to keep the energy uh, down to sort of some kind of uh, equanimity, right? Trying to keep it calm. And they may do that by living out somebody else's truth, they can do that by placating behavior or trying to make everybody happy. And in the process, they're not happy. So lots of lots of things can come up, whether you have that defined or open. But particularly if it's open, it can be difficult. So Christine says, I can relate, Angela. She has an open emotional center. And that's exactly it, right? The open emotional center. And when we have the openness there, what we're meant to be, and what I will often tell my clients is become the screen door, not the sponge. Try not to absorb all of that emotional energy and then react to it. Try to be just like the screen door where the air can just flow through, the emotions can just flow through. And in a very powerful way, emotional energy informs us of how well we are doing. So let's talk about that. Sometimes I've heard it called the calibration center. In some ways, it helps us to see whether we are aligned with our hearts or not. Let me uh, see if I can pull up a human design chart for a moment. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pull up this chart. I have no idea whose chart this is. It's nobody's. Okay, good. <laughs> That always makes it easier. Uh, let's see here. Sharing my screen. Uh, share. There we go. And was it a window? There. All right. Now, this is a human design chart. Now, in this chart, all of them happen to be colored in. And actually, I have a reading coming up today with someone who has all of the centers colored in. Now, that's a rarity, almost as rare as the reflectors, which have none of these centers colored in. Um, so we have two extremes, right? One who can only see themselves through others, and the other can only see their own path. So it's hard for them to take in anything from the people around them. But in your own human design chart, you're going to have various levels of what this looks like. So you might have, you know, a few that are colored in and some that are white. But this is the emotional solar plexus right here. 
If it's white, again, it's open and you are more likely to take in the emotional energy from around you and expand that energy and then rebroadcast it, right? So you're taking it, amplifying it and sending it back out, believing it to be your own energy, but it really isn't your own energy. It's a reflection, if you will, of the energy of the people around you or of the collective, right? And if you have it colored in, then you are a broadcaster of emotional energy and you can't help but be that either way, right? If it's open, you can't help but be an empath. If it's defined, you can't help but be broadcasting emotion because it's who you're here to be, right? So don't feel like, oh, it's bad that I have this open or it's not so good that I have it defined because that isn't the, the case at all. It's part of your unique signature, part of who you're here to be. Now, I want you to notice that the emotional center makes connections to the throat center. It makes connections to the heart center. It connects to the sacral center and it connects to the root center. So there are a lot of, it's almost kind of like a, a byway, if you will, for a lot of different energies and how we might apply our emotions to those energies. So, uh, you know, emotional manifesting, if, it, if it's about, if it's a connection to the throat, emotional willpower, if it's connected to the heart, emotional doing actions, if it's connected to the sacral and emotion around foundation setting or about our roots or about the stress that we feel if it's connected to the root center. And it does not have any direct connection to any of the head centers, uh, either the head or the ashna, no direct connection to the identity center and no direct connection to the spleen. If it's going to get to those other areas, it can only do that through one of the four I mentioned, the root, the sacral, the will, or the throat center, or the yeah, throat center. And, uh, and this is what makes human design so fascinating and so unique because our emotions in each of our human designs can be connected up in so many different ways. And it's all going to be different, right? What might emotionally trigger you isn't necessarily going to trigger me. And that's because of our human designs, the way that we are set up. But the primary, the primary purpose here is about emotions, but it's also going to tell us something. How well are we aligned with what we love? How aligned are we with our purpose and our passion? And, and it's not to say that that is always the reason why somebody might be having an emotional day, but you could always consider that somewhere, somehow we got off on the wrong track or got off on the wrong foot. And it's just a matter of recalibrating what you feel in order to change the energy or the dynamic. So what sometimes what we are doing is it, with the connection to the heart center is that we've gotten out of alignment with what we love. We, we lost connection, if you will, with our passion. We lost connection with what makes us happy. So the opportunity and maybe sometimes the challenge is to bring ourselves back into that alignment. And sometimes that throat center in a couple of different ways can, I mean, the, the emotional center can make it all the way up to the throat. And this is why we talk about emotional reaction versus emotional response. The big key for everybody to learn in the emotional center is about how to respond.
how to not knee jerk in, re in, in reaction to some kind of stimulus that's outside of you or even from inside of you. So always being able to be the responsible, uh, being responsible for your own actions that you take uh, in response to whatever it is that is showing up in the world or in your life. And then as well, being responsible for your actions that you take, right? What steps am I going to take? What, what am I going to do in response to my emotional outburst, right? Am I going to be a Will Smith and slap the crap out of Chris Rock? Or am I going to breathe and take a space and choose? what it is that I'm going to do from consciousness and not from unconsciousness. And we're all sometimes good at this. And sometimes we're not so good at this, right? It doesn't make you a good or a bad person. You know, it doesn't make Will Smith a bad person because he did what he did. It just means he lost control of his emotions. His emotional response got caught up in reaction, which can happen to the best of us, right? <laughs> it happens to the best of us. And then the, the idea of what we do about the emotional trigger or the emotional prompting that we have is why we are we say just take a breath take a couple of breaths wait right don't respond in um in a reactive sort of way and then it also connects up here to the root center down here to the root center so we ha also have this connection about stress the root center is a center for endurance and uh, it is related to the adrenals in our body. So the adrenals monitor the hormones that, you know, um, are the fight, flight, or freeze hormones, right? The cortisols, and I'm sure there's a whole lot more. And the stress reactions that we have in response to uh, stimulus in our outer world are monitored through the root center. And it causes us to push energy either up through the sacral, up through to the rest of the center, or it pushes over and stimulates the fear, the fight, flight, freeze from the spleen center. And all of that can start with some emotional trigger, right? Something emotional that happens that causes us sort of maybe a shock or some kind of, of threat that we interpret. And then that can become uh, energy from the spleen. But it also has many other outlets throughout the body. So energy moving through from the emotions can move in these different ways and uh, create uh, how it is that we respond. I hope that makes sense to everybody. And of course, you have to have your own emotional, or I mean, your own uh, human design chart to be able to see that. If you're new here and you haven't you know, heard of human design or you need to get your own personal chart, you can go to my website, www.living-astrology.com. I'm going to put it here and you can request your free human design chart uh, or your, hello, let's go. One went. All right. So I'll show you. Um, okay. So your own human design chart or your own astrology chart, either way. Okay. Uh, now, questions. Let me go back here a little bit. Good morning, Asa. I hope you're feeling good today. Creative Arts Angela Christine says, can you transmute the emotional overwhelm by creative? Yes, you can, because 
the emotional solar plexus isn't just about emotions. That's the primary energy that we talk about is emotions. But the emotional solar plexus is also the seed of creativity. And it is where create energy, creative energy flows from. And as a part of that emotional creative center, we sometimes have these feelings where we go into the lower waves, right? Melancholy. Sometimes it feels like depression or sadness or lethargy or uh, laziness. I mean, we can call it any number of different things. But while we're in that lower part of the wave, that's when creative energy is taking seed, right? Where something is coming and or something's, you know, getting prepared to be brought out. And then when the emotional wave switches uh, to the more positive or more extroverted energies, let's say, then that emotional energy comes out and we are able then to create from it usually triggers within us a feeling of happiness or a release from the emotional uh, melancholy or sadness that we were feeling. And of course, there are different types of emotional waves. So some of you are quick to go through emotions. You might have a tribal wave that goes fairly quickly, right? So undulates, meaning you might not even notice that you're going through emotional waves throughout the day. Um, if you tune in, you might be going, yeah, of course, I'm going up and down. I can see how that plays out. And it's not as extreme as the other two waves. Uh, the individual wave is a slow rise to the top and then a slow drop. So there's this feeling of I've you know, got this sort of sustained outer expression that's happy or go lucky or positive. And then this slowly I'm dropping into the more uh you know sad energies or lower energies or more tired energies and then it goes back up again it's kind of a constant wave and then there is uh the other uh sensing circuit energies or the um collective circuitry that sometimes is a a, a fairly quick rise to the top or it can be a slow ride slow ride to the top and then a precipitous drop right so something uh triggers of you from the high expression and you drop back down quickly to the low and then another slow ride up to the top with another precipitous fall so some of you might tap into that and see from your own emotional self how you are emotionally defined and we can have all of them right we can have all of them if you have a lot connecting up your emotional solar plexus like i do then you might have all of those waves and you might have a lot of emotional um, things happening throughout your day for various reasons. I don't think I have the tribal. I have the other two, the high, high drop and the high, high, high and the low, 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 right? So it's, everybody has some parts of that uh, going on. And if you have an open emotional center, you may even be picking up the wave of the people around you, like your spouse or your children or anybody else that, you know, roommates, colleagues at work, that kind of thing. So it pays to know yourself because the only way that you can tell what is going on is not by, you know, making sure everybody is going to do what you want them to do. Uh, it's not about them. It's about where am I and what am I doing, right? So remembering that you're always, you always have the power within you on how it is that you want to show up. You're not 
uh, being beaten up by other people's emotional center, you're actually someone who has that open emotional center is very good at talking to people about their emotions, about what they're feeling, right? What are you feeling? Well, this is what I'm feeling. Ah, I get that, right? Because you've sensed it too. All right. Questions? Any, I'm going to go back and see if there are any other questions. Um, Angela said it makes you want to run. Um, yes, it is difficult to differentiate what you're feeling and what the collective is feeling. Definitely, definitely, because most often then with that setup, you are not feeling your own feelings. And it doesn't mean that you're an unfeeling person either. You do have, you know, you get to choose what emotions that you respond to. Asa, uh, feeling better. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad. Uh, tribal guilty, children guilty. I'm not sure what you talk about, what you're saying, JLo. Oh, maybe there. And I locked myself away guilty too, but honestly, I'm so happy for HD. I learned so much and helps to know yourself and the smallest twitch. Well, it does help to know yourself. And that's the whole key of why, you know, I would even do what I'm doing is when when you know yourself, there's a couple of things that happen. First thing is you live your life authentically, right? You're living your truth. You are living your world according to you, right? That's the number one thing that you can do is to live your life wholly and fully in alignment with what makes you tick, what makes you happy. And that you know, comes out from you and is something that everybody else can tap into as well. The second thing that happens when you are living your life authentically, according to your own human design, astrology, galactic astrology, or whatever kind of astrology, is that you then begin to understand others and you begin to release them from your judgments about how they're behaving because perhaps they are just living out their human designs as well. So we get the a kind of a double thing going on here where we get to just live out, you know, our, ourselves in a way that we really love. And then we begin to allow others to do that for themselves as well. Right. So instead of browbeating somebody because they're being emotionally volatile, we just step back and understand, well, they may be experiencing somebody else's volatile emotion, not even their own, or maybe they're in the low part of their emotional wave. You don't know. You just don't know, but we can allow because we, that doesn't uh, imply that there's something wrong with us just because somebody's angry and we've picked it up. I hope that all makes sense because um, it's all about our, you know, learning to love ourselves. When we love ourselves, then it's a gift we also have that we give to others. Okay. Right. Well, that was a good discussion that I didn't expect to get into today, but hallelujah, because it gives us an opportunity to really begin to understand that emotional center as it is going to be, it's in the already beginnings of a an, an evolutionary leap as we get, you know, moving towards 2027. So like any big change that happens in our uh, energy fields, it doesn't happen like overnight. It appears to us as if it does, but you know, the seeds were planted and the seeds have been planted for our emotional IQ intelligence, emotional intelligence, right? Releasing ourselves from the intellect or just the intellect, being able to integrate more about the emotions. All right. Uh, 
uh, JLo says, yes, now I help my daughters and explain what is going on with my grandkids, right? I don't remember JLo if you have an open throat or a, a um, uh, defined throat, but the one thing I know for sure is that blabbing stuff like that to people, unless they want to hear it, they are not going to hear it. They're not going to take it in the spirit in which you were giving it. So we all need to be careful about this. So you don't want to be in your workplace or in your family going, oh, I see you're in your emotional low right now. Um, so I, I'm just going to leave you alone. Uh-uh, that isn't going to work, right? That is going to cause more problems because with the throat center, we have to be able to be invited to share our observations or our wisdom. So we cannot just, you know, say, hey, I know what you need to do with your son or your daughter or your friend or whatever, um, unless we have permission through an invitation, right? So somebody who has a defined throat, meaning the throat center up here at the neck was in brown, was colored in, you are someone with a defined throat that can speak. But even so, the throat center is what we call a projected center. And that means uh, a projector is a type in human design that needs an invitation in order to do things, right? That's how their strategy works. Someone invites them in, then their body goes through a process of responding in, in whatever their authority is, and they, you know, join into things. Well, the throat sort of works that way too. Even when it's defined, our voices are the things that we use to manifest, but also to be seen, heard, valued, recognized by others. And if we are constantly using our voice without the invitation, then what happens is people shut us down, right? They don't want to hear, la, 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 I don't want to hear, right? They just, or they just like, yeah, 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 mom, I've heard it all before. So we want to be very careful about that. We don't want to get ourselves in a position <clears throat> of being shut down by the people around us. So we wait to use our voice. We say maybe something like, you know, I have some ideas about how that might look. If you, if you want to hear them, let me know, right? So that we can wait for them to say, yes, I want to know, mom, tell me, right? Or if you have an open throat, being quiet is your best friend, right? Being quiet. An open throat is white here. So when you're quiet, people will draw you in. They want to say to you, hey, you're awfully quiet today. What, what, what's going on in your head? Or what do you think about this idea? Or what do you want to say? And the other way that an open throat can work is by asking questions, right? So tell me how things are going. And you're listening, right? Oh, oh, you know, I... I feel for you. I've been through that before. Uh, do you want to hear some of my advice or do you want some advice? And you wait. You don't spill it. You'll wait. And if they say yes, then you can have at that conversation. If they don't want to hear it, then mm -mm, you just say, well, you know, at some point, if you want to have that conversation, I'd be happy to talk to you. Okay. So the throat's tricky too. <laughs> and then if you have an emotional center connected to your throat, then that means you have both of them defined, right? Because they'll be defined because they make that connection directly. Um, then it is very hard for you to, because you feel so much and you want to share and you want to share from your experiences 
you also want to share from your wisdom. And unfortunately, that isn't always accepted in the spirit in which you want to give it, because it might be the wrong timing for that person. They don't want to hear it yet. They're not open to hearing it. So we don't want to waste our time. We don't want, and it's not that it's a waste of time. It's that it can create a feeling of vulnerability in you because they didn't hear you. And I start to shut myself down because nobody listens to me when I talk. It can also be that, you know, people on the other side, if you're always a mouthpiece for something, then other people start to shut down and not listen when you speak. And then the one time you come up with the most prime thing to say, they have not heard you, right? So we, we want to be seen, heard, valued, and recognized, and we do it by waiting for the invitation to share, right? And some invitations are implied. If you're sitting uh, in, in the audience to this morning, listening to me talk, there's an implied invitation here for me to speak, or you wouldn't be here, right? So it can be tricky too, right? I couldn't come on air and just sit here and be quiet. That would be kind of uncomfortable. Like I can't even do that. <laughs> um, and what would be the point of you having taken the time to join in? So sometimes it's implied, like maybe you're in a family and you're having this discussion, maybe going around the table and sharing, um, you know, that is an invitation, but it's not overt. It's kind of implied. I hope all that makes sense. Angela says, I shut down all the time. So Angela, if you do, you have your own human design chart. And if you do, do you have an open throat center? Now I've noticed this a lot of times in my life. I have an open throat center. Things come close, but they don't actually connect up to my throat center. And I constantly feel like I have to talk louder to get heard or that uh, I just won't talk. Like sometimes Terry's just chattering. He's just talking and I want to say something. And if I do say something, it doesn't matter because he's going to interrupt me or he's going to talk over me and I'm not going to get heard. And of course, that's the perfect model for what happens. He's a, he has a defined throat. I have an open throat. And what I have to do is if I have something important that I want to say, then I have to say, listen to me. Are you ready to listen to me? I have something I want to say. Hello, my turn, right? Or I don't get heard. And then that can cause a whole lot of problems in relationships. After a while, if you keep getting shut down and no one's listening, then you don't share anymore, right? You begin to go, nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about my contribution. And if you have a gate eight defined in your chart, and let's say it's hanging, because if it was defined, it would go to the identity center in your throat would be defined. If you had the gate eight of contribution, where you are someone who wants, who feels deeply the need to share in and contribute to the world in some way, then you shut down. And then the beauty of your words or of your contribution never gets made. And you go through your life feeling criticized or unheard or uh, unseen, right? Not valued. Yikes, right? So knowing your human design, <laughs> priceless, right? Okay. Susie says, I know this feeling, but I am more like Terry. <laughs> uh, I need to listen more. And right, that's also a Gemini trait right? So 
there are times that I played that role of the, the talker and I'm not listening very well. So I've had to also pay attention to that in my own life. Part of the Gemini, and we all have Gemini somewhere in our charts, but as a son in Gemini, one of the biggest lessons that you, one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself is to learn about listening, real listening, not just hearing. I hear the words you're saying, but listening, right? Where I'm whole body, whole spirit, wholly involved or engaged with listening to you, right? When you speak. So it's not that you need to listen more. It's that how would that create more value for you in your experiences, in your relationships, right? That's where we're going. Okay. Good, 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 good. All right. If you guys have more questions about that, go ahead and post them. In the meantime, I want to talk about uh, the week as far as energetics, because we do have a couple of things. Like I said, today's Monday. And what we have today is the moon in Scorpio. And we are at the end of Scorpio, as in later in the day today, we go into the void, which means from 4.55 West Coast time until 7.17 p.m., the moon is just kind of wandering. For most of you that are on the you know mountain time zone to the east and even into Europe, your, yours is going to happen late enough in, a, in the day where I don't think it impacts even us at 4.55. I mean, really the work day is done. So the wandering moon maybe just gives us some time to go home and chill and relax. And then the moon will move into Sagittarius. So starting uh, later in the evening, we begin to have this change in the energetic uh, dynamics. Now, we'll, we'll talk more about the moons in just a moment. In uh, the day today, we have two transits that we want to pay attention to. One is Venus in a sextile to Uranus. So again, the word in the middle, Venus sextile Uranus, this sextile is just a descriptor of what the relationship is like today between Venus and Uranus. And a sextile is a 60 degree angular relationship between them. And that connotes a certain amount of affinity for one another. Venus is in a way of understanding uh, what it is that Uranus is bringing up. Uranus is in Taurus and Venus is in Pisces. And so there's something about that Taurian energy that, uh, that Uranus has, right? Maybe about letting go of old stagnating patterns that Venus picks up in Pisces and says, well, maybe I can be more creative. Maybe I can apply my aha or epiphany in a new way. So that's a pretty positive one. And Venus rules our relationships as well. So maybe you meet some exciting, interesting people today. Who knows, right? They might have an impact on you in some way of raising your consciousness or in maybe a way of uh, releasing yourself from some self-imposed limit or uh, prison <laughs> or some kind of, of thing that you need more freedom about. So we have that. The biggest aspect of the day, though, is the sun in a square to Pluto. And this can bring up power struggles between people. The sun, you know, represents our ego energy and ego energy, personality energy in a power struggle with the, the forces of transformation, with the whole idea of death and rebirth, of regeneration, 
um, that can be a very powerful thing, right? That drives us. And with the moon in Scorpio, that is the sign that Pluto rules in the more modern traditions. Then we have sort of this affinity today for some very power oriented energies to move through us or to trigger us. Like I was triggered this morning by God knows what, because right now I can't even tell you. Oh yeah, because I overslept, which I doubt has anything to do with the power struggle, but it did create in me you know, this need to want to try to control every aspect of what was happening this morning. And I think that's where I got uh, upset because, you know, my husband, you can't control him. He's like a bumblebee trying to control a bumblebee. You just can't. And uh, so maybe that's where the trigger was for me. But for all of us in some ways today, we may have the struggle between what we're trying to hold on to or control or, um, you know, um, keep an eye on versus the ego energies, which are just off in many directions. But when we look at Scorpio, as the moon is there, what we start to see is this energy of power that comes up here. And this is quiet power, but it's intense power. And it can be power that realigns us with our motives, what what's motivating us, what is the motivation or the psychology involved in, in, an, in a dynamic, what is the chances are there's some secret thing that we can tap into that we are sensing that, you know, somebody may be telling us something, but we're sensing something else. And we might be able to pull out from people, even pulling out from our own selves, something of our secrets that uh, need to be revealed. This is also a sign of change, right? Pluto rules transformation and Scorpio rules transformation too, right? And as far as change and the change here is about eliminating baggage, right? The stuff that no longer serves us, the parts of ourselves that just do not serve us moving forward, right? So traits that don't help us to become more authentic um, relationships, maybe that do not help us become more authentic or more loving. So change, eliminating the baggage. And sometimes that brings up an element of crisis, right? Uh, healing crisis, perhaps with the body, uh, a crisis uh, where we've been living on an edge, where we have been doing too much of the wrong things, right? Or our bodies are tired from having to keep going and going and going and doing and doing. And we're going and doing things that aren't really part of our, our uh, authentic self. Uh, so there's the need that we have to change. But then we also have OCD ten tendencies here where we obsessively and compulsively get caught up. It's almost like if you've ever been, um, you know, driving along and you get uh, like freeways where big trucks have been down the road so often it creates these ruts. And if you get caught up in those ruts and you want to change lanes, sometimes it can be very hard to push yourself over into that next lane. So in this way, we can get caught up in these ruts that are repeat patterns that stagnate, right? That cause us to stay stuck. So today might be a day for us to engage in self-mastery, which can be, I have to become the mistress or the master of my own self. And I have to take then the reins and I have to be able to direct my vehicle, my body, uh, my soul into the authentic expression of who I am. 
Um, and that might mean following my passion, whatever that is in my life. And there can be an intensity to this energy and ultimately leading us to commitments, commitment to ourselves, right? To who we want to be. This is uh, the moon in, in Scorpio brings up bonding issues. So we also have sex, death, rebirth, all of these different things that bond and breaking bonds, right? So that's a part of Scorpio. And intimacy is a part of this energy as well. And it does bring up soulmate energy. Now, I have a little tidbit about soulmates for you in as far as it relates to human design. The people who have the line six or the, um, so in your profile, you'll see like there's one threes, three fives, you know, six twos, three sixes, etc. Look to your profile, whatever your profile is. If it has the six as a part of it, part of the six lines, part of their life, part of their journey is finding a soulmate that they might feel it. And it's not to say that the people who don't have the six line profile aren't looking for a soulmate because everybody has the opportunity somewhere in the planets to be expressed through the line six. But the six, you know, reminds me always about the Scorpio need to bond, but to also find like a life mate, a lifetime partner. And then of course, financial partnerships come up here as well. The eighth house, Scorpio, Pluto, and Mars all have their little hands in financial partnerships. And that might mean talking about loans and taxes. And today, of course, is tax day. I thought it was on Friday, but apparently it's today. And uh, filing taxes, right? The government here in the U.S. So if you're in another country, I don't know what dates you might have it. But here in the U.S., it's about that. Wills and inheritances. I have to take that subject up today with my son's estate. Um, and then also the more negative aspects here of the misuse of power and revenge, jealousy, those green-eyed monster things that come up with Scorpio energy, destructive urges, right? I'm, you know, just going to throw the whole thing out and start over kind of energy that can be, you know, really very uh, destructive instead of constructive. And then as well, suspicion and guilt and shame. Those are partly taken up by the emotional edge in Scorpio. So we have a sun square Pluto, Pluto being one of the rulers of Scorpio and Scorpio, where the moon is for a good chunk of the day, for most of the day, for all of us. And that kind of goes hand in hand then where the moon is and then what the sun and Pluto are doing together. So don't be surprised if there are opportunities for power struggles to come up today. Tomorrow, the sun moves into Taurus. And I have a great chart to show you because I wanted to make sure, let's see if I bring that up first. I wanted to show you two things. And let me see if I can share that with you. Share screen. I'm not sure which one I'm showing. Okay, so here we go. This is the shadows of the Taurus gates. Now, Taurus gates are three. So this is where we'll start with the gate three. But it only has the very end of the gate three. The rest of the gate three energy is at the end of Aries. So 
while we talk about Taurus as in beginning tomorrow, we are already in the energy of gate three right now. And gate three's shadow energy is chaos. Its highest energy is innovation, right? This is very much about seeing how, seeing the future and connecting, you know, with the future and doing the things now that we need to do that supports the future. And it can be innovative, it can be inventive, um, but it can also be chaotic because when we make changes, when we start to connect with a new way of doing things, what happens first is chaos, right? There's always chaos in the beginning. So the beginning of Taurus sh uh, shows us chaotic energy in the shadow. The 27 is the next gate and 27 is also on the sacral center. And that means this is about doing and in 27, what we have in the lowest ex expression is selfishness. Um, in the gift, we have altruism. And in the highest expression, we have humanitarianism, right? Being selfless, selflessness. And the gate 27, though, is a gate of nurturing. And who must we nurture first, right? The part that we leave out frequently is ourselves, right? We leave out ourselves. And then as we move to the gate 24 up here in the Ashna, we go to addiction. This is where we have kind of rational thinking, where our thinking, our mental um, thinking processes can almost become an addiction. We're addicted to thinking. I was talking to a client on Friday and she has a defined head and Ashna but she's designed to make decisions from her emotional center, I think it was. And the emotional center um, takes its time to make decisions, but the head is where she's at and always wanting to make decisions from her thinking. And on top of that, her profile was a one three. So she is kind of weighted over here in the thinking processes but the decision-making is most definitely emotional. So we have to contend with sometimes the thinking processes and how we get addicted to thinking and thinking that we need to make decisions from what we're thinking. <laughs> and there isn't anybody on the planet designed to make decisions from the head or from the Ajna. It all comes from further down. So we'll be dealing with that in our um, uh, sun over the next few weeks. The gate two as well is called dislocation in the shadow, but it is also a place where Uranus is sitting and bringing us the energy of allowing, being receptive to receiving, receiving, right? We can't always be the givers. We have to sometimes be open to receiving. And then the Taurus sun will take us through the gate 23 up here on the throat center, where we also have the north node of the moon. And we are learning here to, instead of being in complexity, to bring things into simplicity, right? To be able to assimilate things, throwing out the things that just don't make sense and simplifying, right? And then bringing it into manifestation. That's what the throat center is about. And then the gate eight, we just talked about that. This is the gate in its highest and best wants to contribute, right? So the uh, last um, experience that we have of Taurus energy where the sun will be is in the gate eight. Mediocrity is its shadow and mediocrity because 
we are often, we have learned from people shutting us down when we've used our voice incorrectly, uh, that if we, if we don't try too hard, we don't risk anybody, not somebody not wanting what we want to contribute. So we sort of compromise our, our gifts in some way, or we make a compromise. Um, and instead of being wholly authentic, I'm only going to be authentic in these ways because people might not accept it if they fully knew who I was. So the gate eight, we deal with that at the very end of Taurus. Now, I don't want to leave you with just that energy. So uh, maybe I do. <laughs> uh, nope, that's the shadows. I thought I did that. Okay, so let me, uh, can you guys, are you guys, did I stop sharing? Hold on. Mm, share again. Now I want to talk about the gifts, right? So we spend some time, of course, at the shadows. And that's likely because right now the earth is also in the spleen center. And so she's sort of triggering our fears, our shadow energies. But when we look at the gifts of this uh, time of the sun in Taurus, what we see is innovation. The gate three that was the shadow of chaos becomes innovation seeing things in a new way, doing things in a new way. And that's actually the week that we're in the sun right now, already in the gate three. And the earth is sitting at the gate 50 right here on the other side. Um, it's not going to actually connect to the 27. That won't happen uh, because that doesn't, the sun doesn't get there till next week. But the 50 right now is having us take a look at the fears that we might have around failing in our responsibilities to our friends, our family, our colleagues, our, our, our children, whatever that is. So um, overly nurturing here uh, is where the 50 is right now. Uh, but if we look at what the truth of the 27 is, it becomes altruism, right? Where we're not only altruism doesn't mean that I'm doing for you and, and sacrificing myself. It's from my fullness I'm able to help you. I can help others, right? When I have my cup full, when I'm living my truth and my authenticity, then I can be a giver, right? So we have altruism here, nurturing others, teaching others about how to live their truth even comes in this particular gate. The 24th gift is invention. And this is, by the way, these are the gifts as we see them through the gene keys. What I really like about quantum human design is that the 24 becomes blessings when we let go of what we think is rational or the should haves we or could haves or would haves. What we find is instead the blessings in however things are showing up in the moment. So blessings, which then in the gift with the gene keys can make us inventive we can we can reinvent ourselves we can reinvent our experiences we can retell the story of our experiences in a different way so 24 and invention the two in the gift is orientation being oriented to this idea of giving and receiving being the uh, a, a continuum right giving is receiving and receiving is giving and that you know even though they sound like they are dualistic giving on one hand and receiving on the other like they are 
different sides of the same coin. It's the same energy and it goes round and round. So giving is receiving, receiving is giving, right? So being receptive and then being given, being giving, open to receiving though. That's the hard part. Uh, simplicity in the gate 23 right here on the throat center, which is also the lesson that the North Node is trying to teach us. How do we assimilate things, uh, new ideas, in, uh, information? We do that by letting go of the complexity and coming down to simplicity. And the eight in its highest is about style, living from your highest self. And the eight in, oh, I don't have it here, but the eight is one of those gates that when we're living it from the highest and best, it creates abundance, right? It connects us to our life purpose and we are living life fully. And when we're living life fully on our terms, it becomes a magnetic attraction for abundance of all types, not just money, but good relationships or good health, good finances, good whatever, right? It brings us stuff. So that tells us a bit about what that Taurus energy is about as we start to move into the sun in Taurus. Uh, okay, so J-Lo, hmm, this word came to me last year as an asteroid after a class. I did a quick video. It was in November, if I'm correct. Chaos, time to dig. Dig, dig, dig. What is chaos? Well, you know, chaos, chaos is disturbing and disruptive and it breaks down any places that have been encrusted or entrenched or stagnant. And one of the lower frequency energies of Taurians or of Taurus energy, not Taurians necessarily, is they can get into a comfort zone. And they can get stagnant then. They can get into that rut. And it takes much more energy to push them, push themselves even out of that rut. So a part of, uh, of the role that chaos plays is not allowing us to stay stuck, right? It, it is that we have to move, right? We have to move in a different direction. So chaos plays a really powerful role uh, as does turbulence, right? Turbulence at the gate 36 on the emotional center teaches us about new experiences to go out. It tempts us to go out into the world for new experiences. Uh, Erica Dorsey, good morning. And uh, let's see when we go down further. Good morning, Gail uh, and J-Lo. Lucky me, I have it in my natal chart. Erica says, wow, failing in parts of our lives. This is exactly what I'm experiencing. Um, do I have time to talk about that? I have two minutes. So let's talk about failing for a second, because that's definitely a fear that we have that's located on the spleen center, right? The fear is uh, failing is at the, uh, the gate 32, but the 50 also has the fear that we're failing in our relationships. We're failing to nurture the people in our lives. Um, we are taking on the responsibility for their failures or for their um, their challenges and things like that. Now, unless your children are at home and are young, like that are less than 18, let's say, and I know as a mother myself, you never let go of wanting to guide your children. But at some point, you have to let go and let them make their mistakes as you did. So the 50s negative energy sometimes is about holding on too tightly 
and feeling like you are failing at every turn. And sometimes that's because if your son or daughter didn't do what, you know, that didn't succeed at something, then you can take it on as if you didn't do something and it has nothing to do with you. That's something we have to let go of. But the, the strength of the 50 is the ability to teach the values, to teach them how to take care of themselves, to teach them everything that they need to know to live out there in the world. But then you have to let it go, right? It's up to them to apply what's been taught. So the 50 is a gate of teaching often. And it's interesting because it does meet up with the 27, where one of the Taurus uh, gates that the sun will be perched at teaches us about how to self-nurture, how to take care of ourselves, right? To be responsible for our own well-being, right? We can't look outside of ourselves for everybody else to take care of us, right? If you're not taking care of you, no one else is going to. So keep that in mind. Uh, 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 I love and appreciate my Taurus friends. I love them too. I have Taurus, lots of family members and Artorians, and I have lots of Taurus friends. It's just amazing to me how much Taurus is around me. And Erica, I don't have children, but I've definitely been feeling a deep generational trauma and having my mother visit me in my dreams that triggered my abandonment issues. My North Node is in Cancer, so I am seeing this. And Erica, on top of that, the Black Moon Lilith on Friday moved into Cancer. So the Black Moon Lilith deals with our shadows, like the blind spot, the part of us that we don't see. And likely, and, and that's a collective move. I don't know where your own natal Black Moon Lilith is, but collectively we will all be dealing with that kind of abandonment, uh, with that kind of emotional strength that we need to bring in, um, where we've been hiding where we've felt scared, where we're after security and, and um, not necessarily uh, finding it because it's not out there. It's not outside of us. It's inside of us. So that may be a, uh, a trigger point for you as well. And a correlation is taking care of my own inner child. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. So you did get to see us on Friday. Yeah. So there we have that. So a lot of big things up. Remember too, we are in one of the last two weeks of all planets being in forward motion. Uh, and we've had this for a long time. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, if you look at how the planets are aligned, they're all pretty much clustered in one half of the chart with very little energy on the other side. So what we have sometimes is this cloud of confusion about what direction to go in because everybody's all stacked up very near to one another. There's nothing really in the opposite side to show us the contrast. So that, if that has stopped you from taking action, then maybe it will be pleasant for you to hear that Pluto turns retrograde on the 29th of this month and will maybe help us to see what needs transforming if we've been caught up or stuck in not being able to transform or do what we wanted to do. So um, one of the things that also happens later in this week is the moon and the sun coming into their final square before the new moon, the crisis of consciousness. And there might be some discovery on all of our parts that we have to change something from within us, that it's nothing that we need to change outside of us in order to move forward. There's just a little thing here, a, a belief, 
a grievance, an emotion, a feeling, a, um, an old way of behavior that, you know, starts in the mind, new way of thinking perhaps is needed in order to make change. And I think that is it. Good morning, Kamal. And, uh, that is it for me today, right? Wow. Considering I didn't think I had much to talk about this morning, we had a lot to talk about. So if you have questions, feel free to email them to me, Janet at living-astrology.com. I will see you all on Friday. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.